Welcome to Backstory and Beyond with your host, Ward Kampf, seeker, innovator, and president of Northwood Retail. As Ward travels the country, he'll share the industry insights he's gained over a three decades long retail career, introduce you to trailblazing business leaders and disruptive founders, and uncover the real deal about some of the greatest cities in the world. This week, Ward is in Dallas with restaurateur, food hall creator, and Frontburner Society founder, Randy DeWitt. They'll discuss the necessity of pivoting with market changes, how innovation requires exploration, and how entertainment, experiences, and great food can combine to create a destination venue. All that and more on this episode of Backstory and Beyond. We're in Dallas today. I want to welcome Randy DeWitt. Randy's been an entrepreneur, a restaurateur. He's been an innovator. He's created one of probably the most innovative, creative food service concepts with just great DNA and a soul to it. And so, Randy, I want to welcome you. Starting from the beginning, kind of the backstory of Randy and starting your career in Dallas, you know, I started to hear about you you had half shell and then it was rockfish just talk about sure kind of you know everybody has a backstory right yeah you know or you may not know this about me but i did grow up here in dallas but but then i left lived on the west coast was in the air force moved to charleston south carolina found my way into commercial real estate worked for a walmart developer that's where I cut my teeth, I think, on just the understanding of shopping centers, deal-making for sure. I, I always gravitated towards the restaurant. So it was Walmart, a, you know, Pizza Hut or something on the pads. And I always wanted to do the restaurant deals, you know, right, so right, right. I would get to rub shoulders with those people. Found myself moving to Washington, D.C., going to work for a mall management company, basically, uh, First Washington Management. Yeah, sure. Didn't like it. It was a numbers crunching job. I was supervising the leasing people by that time. Right. It just wasn't me. I, I just didn't like it. I was itching to do something that I would have ownership of. Uh, so one day in 93, I just made a big decision, bought a motorcycle, sold my car, got rid of my furniture, rode around the country for six months and did the deep think, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I was 32 years old, I think. I decided I was going to open a restaurant, but the safest place for me to do that would be Dallas, Texas, where I had friends and family. So I rode my motorcycle back into Dallas in 93, found a place for lease in Snyder Plaza across from SMU. And one of the last deals I worked on in Washington, D.C. was Starbucks. But I was privy to the margins that Starbucks was earning on their stores. And I thought, oh my God, coffee. There's no high-end coffee. There's no, you know, nobody doing this in Texas. Starbucks will never come there. (laughs) So I opened up a coffee shop in that space. Six months later, Starbucks opened their first Texas store in Snyder Plaza. Right. Right on the corner, right, on the hill, yeah. on the Hillcrest side, but <laughs> right. close enough. Yep. They and the, my business, the the whole bean business, just evaporated. <laughs> Everybody was enamored with Starbucks, and rightfully so. They executed so well, and so I kept the lease, 
changed the concept to Half Shell's Oyster Bar. And the coffee bar was named Miss Shell's because I'd fallen in love with this girl. We weren't married yet. And when we had to close it down and morph into seafood, I realized I never call her Michelle. I always call her Shell. Right. So we call it Shell's apostrophe S and then had to add the half in order to satisfy a trademark issue. <laughs> so Half Shell's, it opened up. It was immediately successful on a very small scale. But we were making money, and I decided to start growing it eventually morphed that concept into rockfish and built five of those and went from five to 25 locations in about two years. No one should ever do that, especially me <laughs> at that point in my career. We kept the 10 successful rockfish, but then 15 of them, I had to either close down, cancel leases, you know, negotiate out of them with landlords or create a new brand. And so we, we were stuck with four locations that I just couldn't seem to get rid of and were paying, you know, dead rent on closed down restaurants. And I looked at my wife and said, we need to create a new brand that can work in these demographics. We went into the Hooters uh, across the highway from, right. from our location, and it's busy. That, that big sign over the bar said, coldest beer in town. So I ordered a couple beers for us, and it came. It was kind of lukewarm. <laughs> and I looked at my wife, and I said, Michelle, or actually, Shell, we're, we're going to do something inspired by this, but do it better. So we created Twin Peaks, gave it this mountain theme. I married a girl from Colorado. She loves the mountains. It just seemed natural. And then from there, it just feels like you went into Paulus Casual and you've just ridden that way. We did, and yeah. I mean, it was fine dining or steak. Uh, or, you know, we I, I started in casual dining right. with Rockfish, and you know the business was good. Casual dining was thriving in the '90s. By the early 2000s, you could already see it was starting to fray. I mean, there was just too much of it. It was commodity, and too too many of the right. popular, really large brands had kind of like developed almost the same menu. <laughs> but at the same time, we couldn't ignore what was happening in fast casual. So uh, we created our first fast casual brand, Velvet Taco. And uh, we just filled out the menu with classic, fun cuisine from around the world, we're globally inspired you know, menu items that were reinterpreted as tacos. And it just captured the imagination of the foodie world in Dallas. Our, our original Velvet Taco was 1,300 square feet, and at the peak, uh, before we cannibalized it with all the other locations we built around it, it did over $7 million wow. in, in one year, yeah, with very little to go. It was well, I think one of the, the secrets, you know, we used to go there when our kids were younger, and it was that you stayed open late, which yeah. nobody did that really served booze, you know, because that, 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 there was Whataburger and Denny's. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but you guys were smart yeah. enough yeah. to do that. Well, when we created our food hall, we kind of looked at it the same way. We said, you know, people freely spend money from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And, you know, you can legally serve alcoholic beverages during that time. So why not? So that's that's what we brought to our food hall company as well. So let's talk about the food hall. When we got the opportunity to develop our first food hall, it was just up the street here at Legacy West. And 
uh, we were approached by the developer before they even took down the land and said, come up with a big idea. I need an anchor on the north end of the project. And, you know, you're the most creative group I've ever worked with. So come back to me with the biggest idea. If we like it, we'll, we'll do it together. And that gave us the lead time because you know how long those projects take to put together. And so I took Jack Gibbons, my partner, and we literally started seeking out the most exciting large venues that combine food and entertainment in some way. We found ourselves in Amsterdam just by happenstance. And a couple of the team members we were traveling with had already gotten up early and they said, oh my God, you've got to come see this cool place. It's a food hall in an old train depot station called Food Holland. So we hopped in a cab, went over there. I think we got there just in time for lunch. We didn't leave until they closed about 11 p.m. that night. And it was a, a nice little food hall that had a bar in the center. They had an entertainer come in and just play a solo guitar and stuff at night, put candles out on the tables. Jack and I looked at each other and said, we know what to do now. So we came back and went through our creative process. And uh, when we were far enough along, we showed it to Femi and said, we want to do a food hall combined with a live music venue, an outdoor beer garden, and put a brewery in it too. And he said, I love it. <laughs> Let's go talk to my partner, Invesco. Right. Invesco has been a great partner of ours at Northside. So selling them on the idea took a little, a little bit more time, but we got it done and that project's up and running and super successful and we're excited. And as we're building it, we were introduced to Fifth and Broadway by the original developer right. in uh, Plano here at Legacy West and said, I don't know how you're going to fit this in Fifth and Broadway, but here's our site plan. Here's our, you know, schematic design so far. If you want to take all the space you want on the second level, I'll give it to you. So come back with a, an idea. And uh, I guess sometimes we, we bite off a lot and, and had to chew on it for a while, but we did figure out how to program all that space as well as the rooftop. And as you know, yeah, you guys are our landlord there now. That food hall is, it's probably the highest volume food hall in, in the United States. It's um, probably the largest also. I think one of the things that's interesting, you know, just kind of walking back, you know, when you opened Legacy West, it was bumpy, right? You guys opened it, you, a lot of trial and error, right? You know, you Absolutely. opened it and then all of a sudden, I started hearing around town, you know, that Randy and these guys are doing this food hall and it's going to be the anchor. And, you know, food hall was this buzz term. And I think you guys made it really simple. And I think I read where you said, we're just going to out execute everyone. And so, you know, it's easy to say that it's easy to put that on a business plan and say, we're going to do that. But I think, you know, when you open that, you know, you've got to find the balance between these locals, these startups, you know, it's, it's all kind of a startup business. Right. And so, you're the insurgent, you know, so you're, you're doing this no matter what you were in Amsterdam and you and Jack saw that and you're like, this is going to work. We're going to take it back. We're going to do this no matter what. And yeah. then you're trying to run the business. So now you're at the point, you know, in legacy, you've been given this shot, you know, you've gone from insurgent to running the business, trying to figure out, 
you know, the right mix. You're playing landlord and restaurateur and developer and create creativity, right? And and the music venue. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we had never done anything like that in, in our past. Uh, not not on that scale anyway with that level of artist. And so we had to learn. And then you run all the, I think, all the liquor sales, booze, et cetera, right. kind of through you guys. So, yep. you know, hats off for being able to create this. Well, I think what really helped Ward was, you know, we're, we're restaurateurs at heart. Right. We're not landlords. Right. We're, we're not really developers, uh, you know, like you guys can do or, you know, Dean Oliver does, you know, ground up. You know, we, we don't have the capital or the patience for that, honestly. Right. But we can play a role in a project like Fifth and Broadway. And, you know, think about it. That food hall will be there forever. Right. And if it's properly managed, it will always pay the rent. Right. And there will be failures within the food hall. We've already turned over two of our food stalls in what have we been open now? Two and a half years, yeah. coming up on three maybe. Yeah. Had a little delays with the pandemic, but talk about that. Uh, you know, you're right. Yeah. You know, you're right in the middle of well, we, most most of it was we were under construction during right. that time frame and it was just delays. You know, and then all the material shortages and kitchen equipment that was uh not working its way through the supply chain and we had to make a lot of changes on the fly. And, you know, what, one of the cool things about the food hall being operated by us, which, you know, the parent companies, FB Society, right, right. we provide purchasing for almost everyone in our food halls. Prince's Hot Chicken, for instance, right, right. the inventor of hot national chicken. hot chicken. Right. When we showed them what they could get the same quality chicken for on our purchasing contract, that was that kind of tipping point where they're like, oh, my God, we have to do this deal. (laughs) So, you know, being able to help the the food stall operators in ways like that. And then our operating team, I mean, they're all restaurant people. Our our management team, uh, they're not property managers. These these are restaurant managers. And, you know, Prince's, when they opened, was so popular. I mean, it was taking 30 minutes to get food out. And so our ops team focused on that food stall we put in kitchen display systems and you know these timing systems and and, and then the other one you know i think that's really come on the scene is tiffany with roots, roots Chick- yeah. yeah super proud of that story uh she was a celebrity chef had been on tv one top chef and things like that and but didn't really have the operating background you right. know she's a chef right but she got her arms around operations uh, through opening up in our Legacy West food hall and, you know, just became an operator. Now she has her own standalone restaurant and is uh, phenomenally successful there. So we, we like that. You know, it's almost like learning how to run your own restaurant with some training wheels, you know, right. when you open up in one of our food halls because our our ops team is there to support you and help you. I mean, I would think, you know, you starting from the ground up seeing that. Oh, I wish I would have started my first restaurant in a food hall. There just were none. (laughs) That was 30 years ago. So, you know, you look around and, you know, you see the execution of food halls. You know, there aren't a ton that have been done successfully in the U.S. I would agree. A lot lot of ideas. I don't think there's 10 or 20 that. No, a lot of them just don't work. I, I don't know what it is about my background and, you know, the business acumen I've gained over the years, but. Right. 
I mean, I see those and I go, I, I know that's not going to work. Right, right. You right. know, we get we get asked all the time, you know, will you take over this 10,000 square foot, you know, food hall they own? And I look at it and so often my advice is to shut it down and cut it up into space, <laughs> restaurant and retail space, because it's just not going to work. Right. I mean, we believe very strongly that, you know, food halls, at least in North America, New York, there's some exceptions. You can do small food halls, but most of them, no. You know, you can't you can't really have a successful food hall that's a destination if all you have is five or six food stalls in a in a bar. There's just not enough reason to go, and that's why we added the entertainment to our business model. That way, we can drive extra PM traffic through ticketed events. We can raise enough money to bring in serious artists that right. people you know will drive across town to come see and that drives sales to our bars and our food stalls for the extra two or three hours in the evening that most food halls die out about 7 30 8 p.m gets pretty quiet in in them ours are just picking up steam in those hours you know in the fall you guys had jelly roll at on the sky deck and you know he was just he was out there. He was a name, and then he won, you know, three CMTs. Yeah, it's probably one of the hottest country music. You know, hats off to you guys for being able yeah. to attract him. You know, in Nashville, I think you have to elevate just oh, because what, of, what, <laughs> you know you have the access to the artists there, and and you also have. I mean, that truly is music city. I know yeah. Austin wants to be music city, but right. in reality, it's Nashville. It is. Uh, Austin's great, you know, for live music, uh, but it's more of a grassroots thing. Right. You know, the, the, the really top artists in the in the companies that are managing those artists. They're all uh, there. They're all there. And they've all discovered Assembly Hall at Fifth and Broadway, and they've seen our rooftop venue. It's the largest rooftop on Broadway in Nashville. We can get about 1,600 people up there, I think, for a ticketed event. And, you know, we get approached by the management groups during CMA Week's it's all book solid with artists that we didn't have to go get. You know, we're being called by the management companies behind those artists saying, we, we want our artist on your stage this week so we can showcase them in front of the industry. And it's great because, you know, we're getting essentially free entertainment and the public's invited. The other thing besides just entertainment is we always layer in a full service restaurant or two in our food halls. Right, right, right. In legacy, in a bit of a misguided attempt to mitigate risk, I separated it and did two separate leases, two different financial entities behind them, and we built the Haywire Restaurant, right. which was not not exactly a new brand, but it was a new brand name, and certainly uh, the idea of doing a three-level restaurant was a new thing for us to do, but it works so well being part of the food hall because we designed the second floor main dining room patio to look down on the music venue. Right. And people love it. You know, the guests love sitting out there watching a, a concert and eating a big steak. You know, what's crazy about that restaurant is it does, you go from the first level, people are having drinks, you go to the second level, it opens up. But also the interior, the TPs, and just the way, yeah. you, the, you know, the one thing I think yeah. you guys give is an experience, whether it's 60 right. binds, the way it's designed with the glass, 
you know, the, we the, call the it the tap. greenhouse. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. you know, it, it's an experience, right? Yeah, we were we we took the management team on a retreat before the restaurant was fully designed, and we chose to go out to Marfa, Texas, and you know, stayed at Cosmico and you know, which was trailers and teepees and stuff like that. It's a hotel you can kind of camp out at and. We were so enchanted by, you know, that vision of Texas, we decided that's what Haywire was going to be about. It's 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 more about Marfa than it is Dallas. Well, there's got to be inspiration, you know. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I think you can rent some of those sometimes. Or We do. You, People yeah. book them for yeah. all-night parties and stuff like that. You know, when the uh, Country Music Awards were just here in Frisco, Texas, right, just, right. just up the road. We, we had that rooftop booked out all weekend with artists. Uh, you know, I guess I can talk about yeah, them yeah. now. But Miranda Lambert and Laney uh, Laney, Wilson. Laney, which is yeah. the hottest yeah. star other than Taylor Swift. Right. She's probably yeah. the hottest yeah. female um, act out so there they, right now. Her management company booked out the entire restaurant for wow. her. And uh, we just had so much fun. You know, it's 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 such a cool thing for the staff to be able to participate in, you know, when you can get those events. And and you get those events when you create the experience, right. you know. And so we're we're blessed with that. It's a it's a great symbiotic relationship we have with some of the music artists and our restaurant brands and food halls now. We've got a jewelry store in Austin, Nina Baronado and Lainey Wilson. Before the CMT, she came in and just bought the place out, and and Nina was just like she will be the biggest one of the biggest stars. But she also said she's one of the nicest people she's met. And she's dealt with Lizzo, Beyonce, all these. Not saying they're not nice. She just said Lainey was, yeah. you could tell, was special. So, Do you ever step back and say, wow? I think I should, Ward, mostly. I'm or are you just, just on to the next play? I'm just leaning in <laughs> with the management team going, how can, we, how can we improve? How can we make this run smoother, better, more efficiently? I mean, we're, we stay really close to the fire, right? I don't really find myself stepping back and right. <laughs> looking what we've built at very often. But when, when you do, you're right, or someone like yourself points it out to me, it is impressive what we've created. I mean, it's, you know, I think all of us are wired just onto the next play, onto the next yeah. thing. Let's grow it faster. Let's do it faster. Let's do it better. But there is every once in a while you got to step back and say, hey, you know, yeah, it's it's not how you're wired and you don't live on that, but you got to get better every day. And I think the one thing too, is these things are super CapEx wise, you know, operationally, this may be one of the hardest things to operate that I've seen. And I've seen a lot of casualties in this space. In the last it, eight or two I, years. I, I will fully admit to that. This, this is not for the faint of heart. It's not, you can't pluck someone, a manager out of a casual dining Applebee's or Chili's and say, go run this monstrosity food hall that's doing, you know, well over a million a week in sales and expect that person to be successful. So we, we have really high-level operators uh, running the food halls, and we know how stressful their job is. So, you know, the company provides support. You know, we provide all those resources for them, and a talented manager can run one, but it's it's not every restaurant manager out there that can execute at that level. Well, I'd say kind of speaking on the topic of of legacy, what I found interesting, you know, I started to hear when luxury tenants 
wanted to be up there, Tiffany, Louis Vuitton, Gucci. Yeah. They're now right outside the food hall, but I heard every one of them when they were touring are like, we want to be right across from the food that, hall. That shocked me as well. <laughs> yeah. And you're you in know, it. <laughs> I, I was amazed at the leasing that went on across the street from Legacy Hall two years after we opened. Right. It shows yeah. you how the world's changing. They didn't yeah. want a department store. Right. They could see the big picture. They wanted something different. And they wanted a lot of people. And, I mean, that's the crazy thing. You walk out of there yeah. and you see those storefronts. By the way, yeah. they're doing wildly. They are wildly successful. That's what I hear. The the guy behind that leasing, Mark Macinter, yeah. has become a good friend. Yeah, and it's a good friend. He would call me, you know, at the last minute usually and say, hey, can you come up to Legacy and tour somebody for yeah. me? You know? I go, who is it? And he goes, it's the people that, you know, own Golden Goose yeah. uh, sneakers. I'm like, can I get some free shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. Well, think about it. You went from fun place on a plan with just an idea that you're handed and you fully executed it. And then you're dealing in the luxury yeah. world. You know, that's, yeah. you know, to think, you know, from somebody handing you a plan saying, hey, come up with an idea, having to go model it to all of a sudden you're entertaining luxury retailers in Frisco, Texas. You know, that's that just says a lot about the power of you, what you've created. So, you know, kind of as, as you walk through Dallas, just getting to the Randy side, what are places you like to go eat? Or, you know, are you just one of those guys that loves to see concepts, tries things all the yeah. time as you travel? Oh, or, yeah. I, I'm, it's so rare when I go back to the same restaurant twice. <laughs> Here in Dallas, we, it, there's a new restaurant opening every other right. day. Right. My wife and I love to try new new restaurants. We try to get there as close to the opening as we can. So sometimes you can catch the uh, owners or the chefs still walking around the dining room, you know, right. asking people for feedback and things. And we really enjoy that. We're planning our, our leisure travel around food and wine. It's not just you know, my day job, it's, right. it's our <laughs> lifestyle, <laughs> which is great because, you know, I get asked, I'm old enough now, there's young people, you know, they're all like asking for career advice and things. And I just said, I say the same thing to everyone, you know, find your passion and build your career around that. And when you do that, you will be successful. You know, sometimes success isn't a lot of money. If your passion is, you know, helping underprivileged kids or something, but you'll have the most rewarding career when you combine your passion and your work life. I think that's true. You know, I think I think there's a lot of kids. You know, they get their first or second job. They're miserable. Yeah. They want to. They think that's the only job. They can't find their passion. I think it's tough. You yeah. Know? But I think if you're passionate about it, it sounds like you, you're fortunate enough to make a lifestyle around what you love doing. So it doesn't feel like work. I'm sure. Not you're just at constantly, all. And your brain's probably just constantly. On to the next, on to the next, on to the next. So, you know, we talk about the real deals of Dallas. What are some of the, if somebody came to Dallas, what's the one thing you would tell them to go see? Is it the, you know, library? You know, is it the Arboretum? You know, I, you know there's just so much. There is. There's a lot. I, you know, if they're into sports, look at look at the teams we yeah. have. Uh, <laughs> you know, if if they're into art, we have world class museums. If it's cultural stuff, I mean, we, we have great theater. I mean, it's all here. I mean, the, but what Dallas really excels at is shopping and dining. 
I mean, we, we have restaurants here that are as good as I've been to anywhere in the world. And they're, most of them are locally owned. Right. Uh, the, the really good ones anyway. And they're affordable. Right. I mean, you know, I travel most often, you know, repetitive travel is New York, LA, Aspen, Colorado. That way we have a vacation home up there and uh, we love skiing and uh, we go to the food and wine event every summer. So I'm always stunned at the difference in menu prices between Texas and New York, LA, and certainly Aspen. Right, De- right. Denver's a little little more affordable. Right, right, right. Uh, but wow, the menu prices are just breathtaking. <laughs> well, I think one thing Dallas yeah. is good at, we're consu- you know, we're consumed with consumption. I mean, this is a town where people yeah. love to eat, they love to shop. We don't have yeah. a beach. Right. You know, people either go to Colorado or they go to the West Coast or they go to New York City or yeah. they go to Europe. But it's a pretty captured audience. It's r- restaurants <laughs> are really our recreation here. <laughs> yeah. Any place you just think stands out that's not you have a lot of the successful ones was there any any place oh gosh ward uh you know we we live in highland park and it's a short walk to highland park village yeah, yeah. the kids like to go upstairs and have sushi there but that's just the neighborhood for us i've always been a big admirer of hillstone restaurants 100 the honor bar right there that's our lunchroom almost <laughs> we were in la two nights and we went to Honor Bar twice, and you know yeah. you've got all this food it's beverage. Just, it's simple. It's simple, but and the menu's super limited, but they absolutely execute. So it's a fun place for me to take younger restaurant managers, maybe that haven't experienced that, and say, "Look, this is how good a chicken sandwich can be." Right. Just if you execute exactly. Right. And then lastly, what do you think the hidden gem of Dallas is? Is it a restaurant? Is it you know? Is it White Rock? I think Lake? it's the Katy Trail. Yeah, honestly, uh, that that you uh, know, I think it's one of the most significant yeah. things yeah. this city has done over the last fifteen or twenty years. Absolutely, I think you're dead on. We, we on need that. more of that in Dallas. More civic leadership making those things happen because that that can't happen just organically. Right. You know, the our local governments have to have the vision, the desire, and the will to make projects like Katie trail. What that's done for the city, you know, yeah. the young kids, my daughter lives down, you know, right off Knox. And yeah. I mean, what it's done, you know, to connect young and old, you know, and, yeah. and generations and just what it's done for the city. I think it's, I think you're right. I think the one, Katie one, one of our favorite weekend activities in the daytime is to walk the dog down the Katie trail, end up at Katie trail ice house text our daughters if, if they're in town right, and say, right. come on over. <laughs> you know, we already have a table. Right. And we'll just sit there for hours, enjoy the music, conversation. You see people, you know. It's just, I've got a lot of friends fun. that do that. They walk their dog, yeah. they'll meet their kids, or just they'll go. But it's, I, I think you're dead on, though, about it being the hidden gem. Yeah. And then just lastly, as we're wrapping up, how do we find you guys? Yeah, we, we aren't big believers in a, master you know company website um i'm sure we have one but it's probably fbsociety.com but you know our brand we push the brands out first you know let those be the consumer facing uh, way to engage with our our company our concepts 
So any of them, it's pretty intuitive. 60vines.com, whiskeycake.com. I declare our Southern cuisine restaurant, Mexican sugar, velvet tacos now paired up with private equity and right. on a mission to get to a hundred restaurants. Right. Um, appreciate the time and uh, thanks for spending your Friday with me. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun word. This has been Backstory and Beyond, hosted by Ward Camp. To learn more about Northwood Retail or the destinations from today's episode, visit BackstoryBeyond.com.